Hello, I'm Dr. Emma Svanberg. I'm a clinical psychologist and I specialise in the perinatal period, mental health during pregnancy, birth and the early years of parenting. You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Welcome listeners to Mother of All Solutions. It's early October 2022 and I'm delighted to have this conversation with Dr. Emma Svanberg for you today. So hi to Emma. Hi. Hello. Hi. Lovely to be here, Laura. Oh, well, it's very nice to speak with you because I have been following your your work on Instagram. And as you've introduced at the beginning, you're very much about supporting um, parents and mothers specifically through a kind of phase in their life that can be quite tricky. So I imagine as a psychologist, you'll have lots to tell us. Um, Yes, I hope so. I'm sure you will. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, So just by way of intro for listeners, this episode's going live um, on World Mental Health Day. So that's quite exciting because obviously the conversation around um, burnout, which we're going to have with with Emma today and thinking about what that means for parents specifically is going to be really relevant to maybe what you're thinking about on World Mental Health Day. It's also National Work-Life Week this week, so you might be reflecting or reading some things about how you balance your work and your life and everything that's going on around you, which can often feel like spinning plates or whatever (laughs) phrase you choose to turn to. So hopefully the conversation will be really relevant for you in this week and this period of time. So let's get started with the with the conversation. So Emma, can you tell us a little bit more about being a clinical psychologist um, and your work? So how did you train and what's been your journey yeah, with that? Sure. So I trained, I sort of followed a very traditional route through training, which tends to be undergraduate psychology degree. I did a few years as a research psychologist and assistant psychologist. And then I did my doctorate training program at UCL. After I qualified, I specialised in working perinatally. That was in the in the age of sure start, which was okay. like a, a wonderful time to be training mm. as a perinatal psychologist. And then with the combination of cuts to services and also my family life starting to, you know, wanting to, I guess, have a bit more balance around family life, I then left the NHS completely. So I sort of had a slow okay. move out of the NHS, then left completely about five years ago. I then set up Make Birth Better, which is a social enterprise that I've co-founded with a colleague, perinatal psychiatrist, Dr. Rebecca Moore. And then since then, I do Make Birth Better. I have my own clinical work where I see parents in practice. I also run a, a team of other psychologists who we have a kind of whole family approach. So we see parents, couples and children. And then I do lots of work on social media. I write, for me, activism is a really big part of my work as well, because so much of what impacts parents in their mental health during this transition is social issues. Okay. Mm. How well supported we feel or not. And Mm. that can really have such a profound impact on people. So I find that that's actually a really essential part of my role as well to kind of name that because Mm. it's otherwise people can feel that it's their personal responsibility. And actually so much of what happens to our mental health in this period is around the systems that we live in, the world that we live in, how supported we are. Great. And as you say, you're kind of communicating that support in that kind of context that we're all in and how our feelings are shaped in that context through your Instagram, which is mumologist. That's yeah. so you've, psychologist, mumologist. I like it. Nice. Um, <laughs> and then you've already, how many books have you got out, Emma? Remind me. Um, 
have you got I have one? I have the one I'm currently mm. working on another one I have um yeah I have one that came out in 2019 that was specifically on birth trauma that's called why mm. birth trauma matters amazing so a wide range of support around family life um and yeah really interesting that you trained in that height of sure start and you know kind of had that you know when there was more funding around early years and family support um yeah I hadn't known that I I suppose I hadn't really thought about it I know we're similar ages (laughs) and we're both (laughs) from Newcastle um but I hadn't really reflected on how I suppose an impact on what's around you socially in your training time of training would have impacted on your decisions completely different completely different and I think you know I have that conversation a lot with colleagues that Mm. we we trained at a time where you know, we complained about a lack of funding even then and a lack yeah. of support for parents, but things have got significantly worse in the last mm. 15 years. So that I can really see the impact of that on the mm. families that I work with. Mm. And you found a different route to, to support families through those various means that you've mentioned. Um, yes. So let's now talk about the topic of burnout, which is something yeah. I know you're posting a lot about at the minute. And you spoke about at the Reset Festival, um, which was organised by Pregnant Then Screwed last month early last month yeah and most listeners will be familiar with the term burnout but like myself I hadn't really unpicked what it meant or what it was really right so let's try and unpick that a bit with you now what is it Emma and then what is is it and what is it specifically for parents if we think of it in the context of parenting well, it, I mean, we, we understand burnout as a real sense of deep exhaustion, right? I think that's mm. something that everyone can resonate with, that kind of feeling of just waking up in the morning and having mm. zero energy, even if you've mm. managed to sleep the night before. It used to be just seen as a work-related issue, and okay. up until 2014, it was really just talked about in the context of work. But there was a particular set of researchers, Bianchi and colleagues, who then expanded it out to talk about any situation where we feel that we are experiencing chronic stress, but that we don't feel it's resolvable. That's the really important bit, that we end up feeling quite trapped. And what happens, even to take an idea from positive psychology, what then happens is that we enter a state of helplessness. We kind of collapse there's almost this feeling of I know that I've tried everything I don't really know how to escape from this so I just need to kind of get my head down and hope that it is over uh, Mm. as quickly as possible the problem is is that in a work context what we tend to do is that we might have sick leave we might stop working for a little while we would have be encouraged probably to rest or not always encouraged but we might have opportunities to rest what's very specific about parental burnout is that there is no escape Often we can have feelings that we want to escape. And of course, some people do, you know, have space from their families when they are are able to. But particularly over lockdowns, particularly over the pandemic, we saw a huge increase in parental burnout because there was nowhere to escape. So Mm. at those moments where we feel like we need to withdraw, we need to put ourselves back together again. Actually, Mm. there was no opportunity to do that. In parenting, what becomes so complicated is that we start to emotionally withdraw because we can't physically withdraw. And then our children, will escalate their behavior mm, because yes, children yeah. by their very nature need to mm. feel that they are close to us so if they feel us withdrawing 
and they will pick up on that because they're so clever and they're so sensitized mm. to picking up on how we are in order to keep themselves safe in order mm. to keep themselves close to us they'll either end up escalating their behavior which might feel very challenging to us i'm talking about kids who have big tantrums or meltdowns yeah. or they might get quite anxious themselves so that might get mm. shown in things like tummy aches or anxiety or sadness mm. weepiness both of those things are really effective way of mm. our children pulling us back in but actually that just adds to our feeling of being out so what often happens in parenting is that we end up we, we then end up in this really vicious cycle yeah where our children yeah. are sort of asking more of us feeling more demanding to us that increases our need to escape mm. increases our level of being out that makes us withdraw more and then that cycle continues so and it's very easy wow. to get into yeah. cycles like that and I, I recognize elements of that from from how you've described it and yeah it's 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 tricky isn't it so in terms of that that cycle um is there anything you think we need to do individually to either recognize it more in ourselves or like what are some kind of simple questions we could ask ourselves or simple yes. things we could do what any advice emma well, I think the most important thing is recognising it, first of all. Okay. And I think this is where social messages do come in and get in the way mm. because there is so little out there at the moment telling us to think about how we are and think mm. about how we've responded to the enormous stress of the pandemic and lockdowns, mm. plus then all of the stresses that we're going through at the moment with financial crises, mm. everything that's going on in the news. So we're still kind of in this state of threat a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. And there's no messaging out there to let us know that it's okay to pause and reflect on how that is actually impacting on us. Yeah. And when we don't do that, when we don't notice, what we end up doing is that we end up feeling like there's something wrong with us, like we're broken. Mm. We ask ourselves questions like, why am I feeling so stressed? Why can't I just cope like everybody else? And that, of course, adds to that feeling of overwhelm, which is only likely to increase our risk of burnout. So mm. noticing is the first step, just being able to okay. ask yourself, does this resonate with me? If it does resonate with me, how do I feel about that? That's when guilt and shame come in immediately because mm -hmm. that's where we start to get those questions like, does this mean I'm a bad parent? What does yeah. this mean about my family life? Does this mean I'm having a negative impact on my child? What if I'm breaking my child? Mm. And that's, again, increases mm. our risk of burnout because these are very overwhelming feelings to feel that maybe I'm not doing a good job. So noticing that too. Where does guilt and shame come in? Why do guilt and shame enter into that conversation? What's the story that we're telling ourselves there about our capacity and what it is that we're supposed to be able to cope with? Hmm. And then when we kind of recognise that, we can bring some compassion in. So really hmm. being able to ask ourselves that question, what is it that I've been through? What is it that we've been through as a family? Mm. really acknowledging actually what an enormous strain the last mm. couple of years have been and continue yeah. to be on families yeah. and then it's only I think when we've been through that process of acknowledging and accepting that this has been a big thing you know like a yeah. capital T thing that we've been through together as yeah. a family that we can then start to think about resolution and okay. to me mm. that first of all that has to be about rest and recovery like actually mm resetting our nervous system because we're all 
full of adrenaline still, full yeah. of stress. And we've been trying, trying to, get, to figure out get back yeah. to normal so quickly as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that, but mm. that just adds pressure, mm. right? This mm. drive, and it is a drive. Mm. Right, must get back to normal. Must get back to work. Must just pretend that none of that ever happened. Mm. But but that just adds more stress in our body. So mm. the first step has to be, and I've been talking about like deep breast. It's not yeah. just a nap. It's a total switch off. It's having your phone off. It's not going to bed with a book. It's going to bed with some soothing music, an eye mask, like really mm. deep breaths with no stimulation, if possible. Yeah. Which obviously is very hard with your <laughs> yeah. parent. And only mm. then, I think, can we start to think about the process of recovery. Like, what do I then need to put in place now that mm. I feel like I've got some resources? The hardest thing for parents, because of that guilt and shame, is that we often feel like we just need to fix what's going on in our families really quickly. Mm. So the step one is always, right, I need to reconnect with my child because they're struggling. But actually, step yeah. one has to be, we need to reconnect with ourselves. So, so that we've got the resources, mm. because otherwise... Yeah we'll go to our child we'll try and reach out and we're still both in that stressed out state so we just yeah, end up yeah. butting heads over and over again that's super interesting I mean there's lots to pick up on there I mean I really like the word compassion that you used like some of it I have heard you because I came to the reset festival and I kind of get get sense of it from that but that word compassion I think just really stood out for me then that we've got to show ourselves compassion right yeah, and then absolutely. and then everyone around us our little family unit our wider kind of communities and workplaces and things so I really like that word and the idea of rest is I know it seems like a really obvious thing but it's not is it because it's it's like that deep rest like I mean I've tried to now the kids are obviously back at school and doing loads of activities find time for myself but that might often mean doing a podcast (laughs) you know like we're doing now Um, or going off to see somebody or but it's not actually rest it's more busyness a different type of busyness which is fueling good things in a different way but it's not that just sitting for 10 minutes with no influence around you and just well I think we find it so hard to do because first of all we're never encouraged to do it and so it can feel (laughs) very alien you know kind of what does that even mean and how ridiculous or what am I just going to sit in a dark room for 10 minutes like I'm never going to do that but actually I think part of that as well is really complex because we can feel mm. very worried about what will happen if we stop. Yeah. And I think parents often have this feeling like I know that under the surface I'm not okay. Mm. But if I stop, then what if I crumble and then I can't keep on yeah. going and I've got to look after the kids and I've got to make dinner and I've got to do my job. So I've got to just keep on going. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it is like a very old fashioned defense mechanism, right? That we yeah. use avoidance in order to be able to protect ourselves from our more difficult yeah. feelings, yeah. but they just pop out in other ways, right? They're, it comes yeah. out when you get irritated at a child or it comes out when you shout at your partner mm-hmm. or when you end up, you know, because actually where that comes from is that we're not working with our frontal lobes the kind of executive functioning part of our brains we're working in a stressed out state which Mm. is our limbic system the emotional part of our brain that's when we end up doing things like dropping things or forgetting appointments or you know kind of losing our words and then we just end up feeling this kind of really agitated tricky feeling so it, it, it is coming out for people so in some ways, it's like yeah. if it's going to come out anyway, we might as well take the time to think about how are we going to release this and resolve it, process it in a way that's actually effective and useful. Mm. No, it's so interesting. So interesting about that connection between the, the mind and the body as well. Yes, yeah. 
I think when you spoke at reset, you mentioned the fight or flight. Have I got that right? Is that how you phrase yes. it? Yes. The fight or flight. Yeah. I can never. Blah, blah, blah. Too many first sounds for me. Um, <laughs> phrase, which, you know, I'm sure we've all, like, you know, remember from biology and just general life phrases that we know. Um, but actually, it was really interesting for me to think about that in the context of being a parent and you know that kind of as you say low level stress that just bubbles whether it's from not just work but parenting and pandemic and all those low level stresses that are just there together and then actually mm. how you do react is often that fight or flight isn't it rather yeah. than yeah it's it yeah. is well it's like, i mean officially it's fight flight freeze flop okay fawn so oh those are, we now have five F's. i'm not gonna be able to say those emma's <laughs> It's all changed since we did our GCSEs, Laura. But, you know, because fight or flight traditionally are Mm. what we see as being, and you can see that in animals, Mm. right? That is our evolutionary stress response. Mm. So either we fight off a threat or we run away. Freeze is what you often see. That's the deer in the headlights kind of feeling of just like, I can't move. And often we do that when we're really stuck. Yeah, yeah. That's where people are a lot at the moment. That we're quite frozen because fight or flight hasn't worked maybe we've been using those and we feel quite frozen a little bit dissociated where our thoughts feel a little bit hard to get hold of we find it harder Mm. to concentrate that is a sign of having been through chronic stress for a really long time that we're often not recognizing because it's just become so normalized Mm. and then what often happens is that we'll have a little something little click that will Mm. then mean that we get back into a fight or flight response okay when we're so burnout really to me is very much related to which is that point where we've tried absolutely everything and nothing's working so then we collapse okay and that is what you would see again in the animal kingdom an animal will just lie down and hope Mm. that they're not going to be seen by the attacker yeah yeah fawn is a really interesting one and that comes from a feminist psychologist researcher called shelly taylor she talked about fight or flight as being traditionally in the animal kingdom uh, their male traits they're okay. kind of of their sort of alpha male whereas actually what you see is in females in species because often they are looking after offspring they tend to what she called tend and befriend so okay. they keep themselves safe by drawing in a community yeah. which again is something that was so unavailable to us over the pandemic okay. so all of that loss it means that all of our usual coping strategies didn't work and even the ones that are evolutionarily important stress responses didn't work so then yeah. the only thing that's available to us is collapse oh, yeah you know it's uh, that expanded version of it is again super interesting just to kind of like take the time to reflect on all these things and and if people are feeling in those phases of flop you know like maybe they feel like they have tried stuff mm. you know they but now they're frozen especially you know the state of the world it doesn't help like knowing what choices should you make you know you've also mm. got very practical pressures on you as well at the minute like what 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 could people potentially do or read or who could they reach out to you know what what would you suggest Emma I think the key thing is not doing anything so I think we often come to this with what do I do how do I like what else do I need to add in in order to be able to get through this and that's very much part of our culture right that we go to fixing so in some ways it's much more about letting go or what can I let go of and then some of that might be around expectations like maybe this is not a time where I am going to feel recovered maybe I'm still 
like I still feel like I'm drowning and maybe it's more mm. about what do I need to help me get through this very difficult phase of my mm. life the best mm. way that I can so that I can then get to a point where I can feel more ready to recover for a lot of people they're not even at the point yet where they feel safe enough to begin thinking about recovery Mm. so there's that kind of knowing that and thinking about what can I do to support myself in this very difficult phase that I might be in at this moment Mm. and then if you can bring in help but it's Mm. very difficult to do that for a lot of people because Mm. what I've heard from so many parents is but everyone's burdened at the moment yeah yeah but because everyone's going through that same thing actually sometimes it does just take one person in a group saying Mm. can we help each other out a little bit you know actually I'm struggling because my child needs this yeah yeah. or you know a lot of parents are dealing with illnesses at the moment you know it's Mm. kind of autumn bugs are coming in so if that's the case is there anything that you can get in just to make life feel that little bit easier so that might be reducing our expectations on what uh you know what a meal looks like that day Mm. reducing Mm. our expectations on how tidy the house is going to be or all of those things letting our boss know that actually we might need to just have a little bit extra time to do a project or whatever it might be because we can get so stuck in that doing mode that once we pause actually that's where we can get our frontal lobes back on that's where we get our executive functioning when we pause bring down our stress response in our body that's when solutions can come yeah but I would say to focus much more on what can what can be not done what can be left undone rather than what do I do no it's great that deep rest that you started talking about kind of using that and thinking about that well that's something I'm going to try Emma deep rest I'm going to try your you know idea of 10 minutes without all that stimulus around you and just take it on so it's super interesting so thank you for sharing all that Emma um we've talked a lot about you know your individual or people's individual feelings in that um but also on your Instagram feed you um share things talk about things that are happening in the for want of a better phrase the parenting space um Mm -hmm. and one of them was around the march of the mummies uh protest that's coming up at the end of this month on the 29th of october um organized through pregnant then screwed again and i think it was over maybe about a week ago it was touch and go whether specifically the london protest was going to be policed by the metropolitan police and i saw you were quite um outraged by the prospect that that might not happen do Mm. you want to say a little bit about that collective need for yeah yeah I mean that is action Coming rather together. than rest but you know like in the same way of like yeah that collective yes. yeah well mm. I think a lot of people have talked about apathy you know over the last year there's a lot okay. of people who've talked about how they've noticed apathy setting in that there's been so much bad news mm. and people who normally would feel like that they could protest or would like to be politically Mm. active have have wondered about the sense of apathy and I think that does come from a state of collapse okay and one of the things that I think we really need part of that comes from I have fought I have tried I have signed the petitions I have written to my MP Mm. I've done all of these things I've tried my best and actually things Mm. feel harder instead of easier so that's where our collapse comes in Mm. and then we label that in a critical way right we label it as Mm. apathy when actually it's helplessness okay yeah I feel like we need something to bring us together again collectively whatever that might look like for me a big part of that is parents coming together in order Mm. to say I'm really angry I'm really angry at everything that's happened over the last couple of years. I feel helpless and I need somewhere to 
direct my anger and you know that kind of getting back into a more activated state when we felt helpless can be really really healing it can help us with our recovery to feel like we have some purpose there's something that we can do and also there is something so powerful in a group of people coming together to make their voices heard that is what we were missing so much over the pandemic that sense of collectivism going through something together we were isolated from each other you know people share their experiences online but Mm. just being together physically is so important definitely so that's why I was outraged about it not happening because I I think that there is such a need for that at the moment there's a need for collective action there's a need for collective recovery and healing people Mm. coming together to share their experiences and there's also just a need for the physical presence of other bodies yeah the same way that (laughs) you do in that you know if we're talking about it from a nervous system perspective that is how we operate we are animals our human beings are animals yeah so being together with a group of other people who feel like they are banding around you is one of yeah. the most protective things that we can do as a species yeah. so there will there will be a lot of um processing that is going to yeah. be able to happen when we can come together on occasions like that yeah so even if you don't feel politically active even if the the what the you know the purpose of march of, of march of the mm. mummies is around childcare, yeah. even if that doesn't affect you actually just come because mm. you want to get your voice heard mm. you want to be with a group of other people you want to come together and just say mm. i'm angry about something i'm frustrated about something i've had a really hard time over the last few years and just being in that kind of sense of solidarity can yeah. be so healing great and yeah and it is going to be policed in london that's all been kind of checked and organized it has. That's positive news and the march of the mummies so if you want to join the the zombie mum pack to kind of get some of that collective healing and I'll put the links in the show notes of this um, but it's happening in other locations across the UK and I'm actually hoping to be at the Newcastle one because I'm going up with the kids for half term so I'm going to try and link in at the end of half term for that don't feel listeners if you're not in London that you can't attend it's across the UK so all the locations will be in 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 the link in the show notes so do go along Saturday the 29th of October um, I assume Emma, you're going right after all that. Going amazing. to London. You're going, going to, to London. London. Yeah. Oh, come to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> another time we'll have to march together, Emma. So we'll yes. do it another yeah, time. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah. And Emma, so just to kind of wrap up, it's been very interesting. Um, some of this I've kind of heard you talk about before, but actually kind of just getting into the meat of it has been so helpful. Um, I'm sure others have found it really, really fascinating and helpful too. So, how would people? follow you connect with you how, how might they do that uh so i'm dr emmasvanberg.com people are really welcome to find me there i'm still mammologist on instagram i've been trying to change my name because oh, it's, exclu- it's excluding of dads and other parents and caregivers <laughs> yeah. but i'm not allowed instagram won't let me oh, so naughty i am still at mammologist on instagram and people are really i mean i'm on instagram far too much so people are welcome to connect <laughs> with me over there that's interesting what you said about the the mammologist I, I did have a draft question about that because you know I'm like mother of all solutions for the podcast not me personally the podcast is oh, yes, and then yes. I was like you know that there is an interesting um when does the word parent when does the word mother or mum resonate and when is it applicable so I mean we'll leave that for another podcast we'll have the uh, next, well, that can be the next podcast yeah. yeah 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 I'm sure we'll find a march and a podcast to kind of follow up with so that's good <laughs> 
And as I said at the beginning, Emma, it's uh, National Work Life Week and also World Mental Health Day. So is there anything you're going to do to support your own mental health or something around your work this week that you can share? Yes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I am really trying to live and breathe this idea of deep rest at the moment. Mm. And as you can imagine, for psychologists, this has been a really busy few yeah, years. Yeah, so yeah. what I'm trying to do is just pauses. That's something okay. that I kind of put into practice a lot in my everyday life, just between clients or between tasks. I always try and take like a few minutes just to stop. Okay. Whether that's even when you're waiting for the kettle to boil, you know, just stopping, closing my eyes, just yeah. checking in with myself. And actually what happens when you do that is that you do notice that there is a, a need to just breathe and relax and drop mm. back into your body again. And that can really help to just reset you during the day. Really good. I'm glad you're doing it as well, because <laughs> you can't just, uh, you've got to practice what you preach, right? This is it. You've yes, got to do it. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much, Emma. It's been lovely to speak with you. Um, so delighted you managed to find the time to, to come on the podcast. So yeah, thank you very much. And thank you, Laura. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions with your host, Laura Broderick, and my guest today, Dr. Emma Spanberg. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Please do share it if you can on social media or to people who you think it might resonate with. That would be really, really super kind and helpful and supportive. And if you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Spotify or whatever you use, um, then you can listen to back episodes and find out what's coming up in the next couple of months so thanks for listening take care everyone and do remember to rest all right bye 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 <laughs> <laughs>